So, I forgot to do this. Turn me down a little, please. I forgot to do this earlier because I didn't do the intro like I usually do in the welcome and announcements. I'm Steve Hyduke. I'm one of the pastors here at Euless First United Methodist Church. Thank you all for being here this morning. Um, do you ever remember that there's something you're supposed to remember, but you can't quite remember what? I'm, I'm looking for somebody younger than I am to nod, just, just out of kindness. Thank you. Thank you very much. It happened to me just before this service. Um, and so what I've learned is if there's something I want to remember in the future, I make myself a reminder and set the time, and I set a time sometime during this week to remind me at 8.20 this morning. And so I pulled my phone out, and as I pulled my phone out, you know what else I realized I had forgotten to do? No, silence my phone. Because I got a phone call as I was pulling my phone out. Thankfully, not during the service. As it turns out, it doesn't matter what the reminder was for, but it was there. And that's awesome. So, would you join me in raising your hand if you've ever forgotten to silence your phone? Great. Are you getting better at it? You surprised me because I've never, in any kind of business meeting or worship service, I've never heard a ringtone with a phone with a person younger than I am. I always assume it's us old people that can't silence our phones. So thank you. Thank you for the grace. It's awesome. So on the other hand, I want you to know, and please feel free to celebrate this with me, especially those of you who wear contact lenses. I have finally mastered putting in my contacts. Uh, I know you're not impressed. It took me a long time. I, I got contacts for my first time ever in December. And I had to start scheduling 20 minutes every morning to get my contacts in. It wasn't until four months later that an episode of NCIS actually helped me learn how to put contacts in. And if you might need to remind me, I'll explain that at the end of the sermon. But now, it, it's awesome. So it only took me six or seven months. I managed to do that. So I've mostly learned how to silence my phone. I've entirely mastered putting in contacts. What kinds of following Jesus things are you still working on? What kind of following Jesus things have you mastered? You got them all under control now? Everything that you think you're ever going to do to follow Jesus, you already do, right? Or there's some things that you're working on. Are there some things that you are working on as far as following Jesus, things that you know you should be doing as a follower of Jesus? that you're getting better at. I know our mission is to help people follow Jesus a bit better today than yesterday. Sometimes I wonder if, because I know sometimes I, I kind of slough that off and say, yeah, I'll try again tomorrow. But as we start this, the songs we sing with Amazing Grace, it was the most, most popular song that you all shared as your favorite song, religious or secular. We started with Amazing Grace. It's got a great story behind it. I'll let you know some of the story. Um, so we started with it for that reason. One, because everybody knows Amazing Grace. Did you know it worked to the tune of Peaceful Easy Feeling before we sang it that way this morning? Yeah. It works to a lot of tunes. 
So we'll go into the, the, the history of the story, but I want to start with Amazing Grace, not just because it's so popular. Do you notice it's reached as high as number five on the Billboard list of popular songs when various people like Willie Nelson or Johnny Cash or Aretha Franklin have released their own covers of Amazing Grace? I have to wonder if we ever would have thought to put the word amazing with the word grace together if it weren't for this song. Because most of our lives are not lived in amazing ways. It's not really, and it shouldn't be amazing that it only took me seven months to master putting my contacts in, and yet I've done that. Some of the things that you do to follow Jesus maybe shouldn't be amazing because it's taken you a while, but that's okay. And I want you to know that's okay. The main thing I want you to know today, because of the story of Amazing Grace, is that it's okay if following Jesus takes you a while to perfect. Because in our society, we don't want to deal with things that take a while. We want immediate. And the church is no better than society because we want the gospel to be the kind of thing that you accept, you say a prayer, and everything's great for the rest of your life. And I don't know how we get that if we attribute any of it to John Newton's song, Amazing Grace. John Newton was the writer of Amazing Grace, and you might know he had been a slave trader, and he wrote the song Amazing Grace. So fill in the blanks with our instantaneous culture. He saw the corruption of being a slave trader, turned from his wicked ways, wrote Amazing Grace, and lived happily forever after. Except that's not how it actually happened. John Newton was born in 1725. His mother died before he was seven. His father was a sea captain and took him to work at 11. Any 11-year-olds in the house? Anybody get sent to work at sea at 11? Can you even imagine? So he worked for a while and uh, learned his way around sea. I guess he got his, his sea legs under him and was moved into the British Navy where he didn't last long because he was too drunk and too arrogant and too rude too much of the time. So they kicked him out of the Navy before he was 18 and with eight dozen lashes of a whip but he knew how to work ships now, so he went to work on a slave ship where they couldn't stand him either. So this slave ship, he's on the crew. The crew gets sick of him. They leave him in Africa with a slave trader living in Africa to whom he becomes a servant. And then somehow he gets, he gets his father sends a ship looking for him, and they're bringing him back to D.C.? Back to, DC? Hmm. Back to England. I don't know if he ever made D.C. since it wasn't a thing then. And they're almost back to, to England. They're off the shore of Ireland, and they have this massive storm during which John Newton prays for God to save him. Have you ever been there? Maybe not on a ship, but somewhere where you pray to God to save you. And somehow... This large load of cargo shifts right after that prayer into filling the hole in the hull of the ship to stop the ship from sinking. He's saved. Newton later would look back on his life and that event as 
his conversion, his starting point. Now, the way we know Christianity is we want, oh, so that's when he walked away from the slave trade, right? No, not at all. He walked away from the slave trade quite a bit later than this. He continued to work as a a crewman on slave ships. He even became a captain on three different slave ships. Before, at the age of 29, he had a stroke, because that happens when you're 29, and could no longer work at sea. At this point, though, he recalled that his mother had dreamed and hoped and wished aloud that he would someday become an Anglican priest. So, in 1764, John Newton, slave trip, slave ship flunky, becomes an, studies for and becomes an, an ordained Anglican priest and becomes a preacher. During this time in his life, as preachers apparently used to do, he would often write hymns to go with his Sunday sermons. And so in 1778, he published a book of 80 hymns that he had written. One of them was the hymn you and I know as Amazing Grace which he had written in 1772, published in a songbook in 1778. He still, at this point, has not renounced the slave trade. He doesn't renounce the slave trade until 1786, and then he's the pastor of a church in England where a lot of poor people in England come and worship, and a lot of wealthy and powerful people in England, one of whom is William Wilberforce, who becomes the prime minister of England when England abolishes the slave trade to which he attributes much credit to John Newton, the man who wrote Amazing Grace. So we have the story right. Amazing Grace was written by a man who had been a slave trader, but he remained not opposed to the slave trade for quite a while after he acknowledged that he became a Christian. In fact, he says it this way. In a later journal, writing, looking back on that age, the time when he was on the ship, and prayed to God to save him, and the cargo blocked the hole in the hull, he wrote, looking back, that he can't consider himself to have been a believer in the full sense of the word at that time in his life, but that was when he began to read his Bible faithfully, and he began to look at captives more sympathetically. Maybe with that moment, he began to see that these people whose lives he was dealing with as a commodity were actual human beings. Now, the point for us this morning is we all love the song Amazing Grace, but the way this story of how it came to be really spoke to me is I don't know if we give ourselves much grace when it comes to the way we live our lives as people who are committed to following Jesus, and more than that, in our congregation, to helping others follow Jesus a bit better today than yesterday. Because so much of what we want and expect out of life, spiritually and otherwise, we want to be an automatic, instantaneous thing. And yet, the man who wrote this, potentially the most popular hymn ever sung in Christendom, His life is a testimony to us that God's grace is amazing, not just because what it can do with us, but because it doesn't leave us 
or abandon us or get impatient with us. God's grace is with us through the long slog of actually becoming holier people. John Newton may be an even better sample for us than John Wesley because many of us can remember a time like Wesley where early in our life we felt our hearts strangely warmed and that made a difference for us. But that event set Wesley on a singular trajectory for the rest of his years. I wonder if more of us are like Newton where we have experiences throughout our lives which bring us more or differently into the grasp of God's mercy. And along the way, we don't know exactly what to do with any of those because we see them only as specific, separate instances. So God's grace is amazing if we will let it be. Huh, thank you, Beatles. How has God's amazing grace worked in your life recently? How, how is God's grace working in you even now? Can you remember the first time in your life that you were aware of God's grace? Let me pause a minute and use a different word than grace because that's great in a song, but if we don't know what it means other than a song or somebody's name, it's not really helpful. Grace is... A, a theological word now for a free gift. The free gift, God's grace, is God's love for us. That at various times and in various ways throughout our lives, we learn and we come, become aware that, that God doesn't love us because we've reached a certain accomplishment. God doesn't start to love us when we finally learn to silence our phones or when we finally manage to put our contacts in or when we finally read enough of the Bible, or when we finally show up at church enough times, or when we finally start to tithe, God's love is before anything that we do or say or think. And the amazingness of it is it's always with us, and it's always drawing us, calling us further and deeper into, the, into seeing the world the way God sees the world. Which brings me back to how NCIS helped me learn to put my contacts in. You know, you put your contact on your finger. How many of you all wear contacts? Okay. Or ever have. They were trying to break into a, a retina scan security room. And they had the person's retina they needed on a, a retinal scan they needed on a contact lens. So one of, one of the crew needed to put this lens in. And I saw this simple thing where Palmer, I think it was, actually bent over and put the contact in this way. I had all my life, which is three or four months in contacts, been trying to balance it there until I got here, which is no bueno. So I don't know what the Holy Spirit can teach you out of watching a TV show. And I don't know for sure that it was the Holy Spirit that helped me learn how to use, how to put a contact in from watching NCIS. But I know that God is constantly at work offering us opportunities in the world around us to learn to take these steps towards following Jesus better. 
And every time you and I learn something that helps us follow Jesus better, we can help somebody else follow Jesus better. That's how grace works. And I think that's why it's amazing. Please pray with me.